I'm Dr. Ryan Sunderman, Unity Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital ER Medical Director. Across the country and the world, people are anxious as the number of COVID-19 cases increase. There are very practical steps everyone can take to reduce their risk of exposure and to protect yourself, your family, and our community. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue, then throw the tissue in the trash. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects and surfaces using a regular household cleaning spray or wipe. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, especially after going to the bathroom, before eating, and after blowing your nose, coughing, or sneezing. If soap and water are not readily available, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. This can be isopropyl or ethyl alcohol. And finally, if you're sick and suspect you may have COVID-19, call your doctor for guidance on next steps. This is Dr. Ryan Sunderman with Unity Point Health, St. Luke's ER. This is Live Well Talk on Healthy Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Unity Point Health, St. Luke's Hospital. Fad diets come and go. Obesity is a problem. Sustainable weight loss is difficult. There are a lot of unhealthy ways to do that. At St. Luke's and Unipoint Health, we have a comprehensive weight management program designed to help people achieve their long-term weight loss as well as maintain it. Throughout the program, you are guided by a team of health professionals, including an endocrinologist, dietitian, and a health coach. With me today to talk about this program is health coach Abby Labarge. Welcome. Thank you for having me. What is a health coach? Mm-hmm. So a health coach is basically a profession that gets thrown around a lot. A lot of um, people use it to describe themselves, but not as many people have the actual certification to have to be a health coach. Um, so I'm a certified health and wellness coach through Well Coaches. What that means is I've gone through all of the work um, to really learn how to talk to people in a way that keeps them motivated about themselves. It's not a health educator. Uh, I talk about it in ways it's kind of like therapy for your physical health. It's a way to help you achieve your goals and do what you want to do without me pushing a lot of ideas onto you. So your training is then in not only health and fitness, but also perhaps to some degree of psychology? Absolutely. So I actually did my minor in psychology and human relations. And so that was really what drew me to the health coaching field was it really was that uh, middle ground between knowing the information and putting it into practice. We know that knowing it doesn't necessarily mean doing it. And so by using health coaching, it's helping people motivate themselves to actually see behavior change and do things a little bit differently than what they have done in the past. Yeah, I think a huge aspect of weight loss is behavior and lifestyle change. We'll talk a little bit about that. But give me the difference between a diet and a lifestyle change. Sure. So a diet we typically look at as something we do for a period of time. So it's something, maybe it's 30 days, maybe it's three months, maybe it's until we hit our weight loss goal, but there's usually a start and an end point to that. It's very extreme. So typically there's rules associated with it. It's yes foods, no foods, or exercise X amount of hours a day or whatever. Um, But we're pretty good at following them um, because there's an end point. We can pretty much do anything we set our minds to if we know that we don't have to do it forever. And so we see all these extreme ways of eating and they work. We lose weight. It's exciting. We talk about it to our friends and it kind of spreads like wildfire. But the point is, is that at some point it comes to an end, whether that's the 30 days are up or maybe we have a really stressful day at work and then we just don't care that day. Whatever it is, some point it comes to an end and then we start to see the weight part start to creep back up. Sometimes it even goes more than maybe when we started. 
Uh, and that makes it very difficult for us to kind of live a healthy lifestyle because we're weight cycling. And then we also have that mental component. So not only are we gaining weight, but now we feel guilty for gaining weight and we start that cycle as well. When we talk about lifestyle changes, we're talking about actually doing things differently forever. Um, much more difficult. Uh, now we're not putting an endpoint on that. So now somebody is changing the way they're doing, they're behaving differently, they're thinking differently about food, they're making different food choices. You kind of have to not put a bandaid on the situation. You have to think, well, why is it on a long day after work do I gravitate towards the easy, convenient foods? And we have to dig a little deeper and really learn about that before we can make the changes. And it's much more difficult. So people have a harder time with behavior change and lifestyle change because we don't have that endpoint and we're actually putting a lot of more work into it. That's so true. And it's it's difficult difficult to eat healthy. Absolutely. I mean, the amount of processed foods that are in front of us is just tremendous. Some of the fad diets uh, of recent, uh, can you talk to some of, the, some of them and some of the dangers of them, perhaps some ones that you're hearing about or seeing? Yeah. So um, there's a lot of them out there. You know, keto is kind of the biggest one we hear thrown around a lot. The key is, is when your body is not running the way it wants to run, it's going to have a hard time keeping up with it. And they're very extreme, like I said. So they're not conducive to living a healthy lifestyle. You can't go out with friends and enjoy yourself without focusing solely on the food if you're you know, watching everything that goes in your mouth. You're not able to have the enjoyment that comes from food too. Um, I think that's a piece that we forget about is that food is obviously needed to nourish our bodies, but it's not, that's not the only thing food does. Yeah, that's how we absolutely. come together. There's such a huge social component to food. You know, we used to live with my grandmother when I was young and we, we kind of lived at the kitchen table. Yeah. You know, it was breakfast and then you went out and worked and then lunch and then, you know, or dinner as we called it. And then, you know, supper. And so, I mean, the whole activity of the whole household mm-hmm. was around the kitchen table. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that is a component that you just can't overlook, can you? I mean, you Absolutely. have to, you have to be wise, wide open. Yeah. I've said on other podcasts, I've said outside pod, the podcast uh, universe that there's three things you really don't want to talk to people about, and that's religion, politics, and food, mm-hmm. because there are these strongly held beliefs that people are reluctant to let go of. Uh, they can tend to rationalize anything. Uh, you know, I think part of that's the keto that, well, then they can rationalize doing it, et cetera. What are some tools that you use to address those behavior issues other than being transparent about, okay, this is a problem? Right. Um, what, what are some other things that you use? So typically when people are coming to us, they've kind of gotten to a place where they realize this isn't working, that they've tried a couple diets, they've done the cycling, they realize that there's more to it. Um, so when people are really ready for that lifestyle change, it really opens up a lot of doors. But getting there is hard. You have to realize that there is no magic fix. There is no pill you can take and magically everything's different. Another key piece is that weight loss doesn't solve all your problems. We hear that a lot, that if I just lose the 10 pounds or the 15 or the 100, that then I'll be happy. And so we know that's just not true. And so once people get to that point where they can understand that and realize that, that's when we can do a lot of the work of helping them understand well, why is it that I emotionally eat? What was going on in my past that led me to think that food was the only thing that I could control or not control? Um, we hear about binge eating a lot. We hear all these different things. And once someone's really ready to be vulnerable there and do the work, we can really make the, a lot of progress there. But usually it's a lot of talking through and helping them goal set and not over jumping on those goals either. We tend to be completely in or completely out. And there's a lot of progress that can be made if we take one step at a time and start very small and work in the routines of things versus jumping all the way in very quickly. There is a degree of discipline with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. 
I, I always kind of laugh to myself when people say they'll be on a diet and then they'll grab a cookie and say, well, I fell off my diet. I'm going to eat, eat the rest of the day. I'm going to yeah. fall off my diet. And I was like, well, okay, so if you dropped your cell phone, would you jump up and down on it? No, you would uh, try not to drop it again mm-hmm. and, and protect it. So we tend to rationalize those behaviors that we are suppressing. Is there education about what foods are healthy and what are not? I mean, do you cross uh, identify those, uh, like how to mm, shop healthy? Sure. Yeah. In our programs, we talk a lot about those kinds of things. We'd like to, instead of saying good and bad food, because that's, we don't want to say that, you know, food is good or bad. That's, you know, doesn't have morality. Uh, but the thing is, is there's foods that we can eat a lot of and we can feel good about and they're nourishing our bodies. And then we have special occasion foods. And so we talk about those kinds of things and making sure that it's okay to still enjoy the food that maybe isn't healthy for us, but planning it and paying attention to portion control. And maybe it's not the thing we eat every single night, but we can still enjoy it. And so it's finding a way that what really balances for you, because it's different for everybody. And I think that's what makes it so difficult is there's no one size fits all approach. You kind of have to just work with yourself and somebody who knows how to work with food and you to be able to kind of find that real plan that's going to work for not just 30 days, but really the rest of your life. And do you approach the diabetic patient differently than the non-diabetic patient? So with us being in the diabetes and kidney centers where we're housed, we work with endocrinologists. And so Dr. Rao and Dr. Lurie um, have a lot of patients, obviously, that have diabetes. And so they really manage those patients from medication perspective. We don't change much of what we do. Um, that may influence the diet plan they go on initially, right. um, but not so much because none of our programs are really low carb. They're basically just balanced. And we know a healthy, balanced meal, balanced of your macronutrients is what works for really every population. I hear that term, and I'm not so sure that I understand macronutrient versus micronutrient. I mean, from a medical level, I understand micro, micro deficiencies mm-hmm. that occur with sure. malabsorption, et cetera. But from your, your field of work, what is a macronutrient? What is a micronutrient? Sure. So a macronutrient are kind of our three big things that make up every food that we eat. So we have our protein, our grain, and our fat. And then our micronutrients are basically all of those things. Then we add in things like the water and our uh, vitamins and minerals and all that stuff. So when we're talking about food and what it's made up of, we're really talking about our macronutrients. So a lot of the diets that are we hear about, those fad diets, are going to be different um, makeups and different percentages of your macronutrition. So we hear high protein or high carb, low carb, high fat, low fat. Those things get tossed around a lot. Basically, what we know is your body needs carbs to run. Your brain only functions with carbohydrates. Yeah. So you have glucose to have and ox- oxygen are the exactly. two things your brain needs. You need them. So you have to have more carbs than you do anything else. And so when you go really low carb, like these fad diets, it's a hard. You have a hard time thinking. You can't think straight. You don't feel good. So your body needs carbohydrates. It still needs protein, but not really in the quantity that we think we do. We don't need quite as much as what, the, especially in Iowa, what we tend to eat when it comes to protein sources. Sure. And then also your body needs fat. You can't go without any fat. You need some fat. But that balance there is making sure you have a little bit more carbohydrate than you do protein, a little bit more protein than you do fat, but your body needs all three to function. That's a, that's a great uh, uh, explanation of that. When do you recommend uh, the bariatric surgery or the surgery mm-hmm. for obesity? Yep. So there are the you know exact BMI cutoffs, and your doctor can really talk to you more about those exact cutoffs. But typically we use it as a way if you're really struggling. So we really encourage people to try real lifestyle change first. Sometimes it can seem like a really appealing way to go, 
because it seems easier than putting the work in. And that's just not true. It takes just as much work and it's probably even harder in the long run. So, but sometimes it's a really good option for people. If somebody's been struggling with weight all their lives and they've really put the work in, they've tried the lifestyle changes, they've tried the meal replacement programs, they've done it all, they're just not finding success, then it's really time to talk about that route and see what that looks like for you. You mentioned their meal replacement program. Mm -hmm. Can you describe that in more detail? Yeah. So that's one of the programs that we offer at the Diabetes and Kidney Center. And so that is a program that's 24 weeks long. We use a meal replacement product. It's called Health One. It's a medically um, balanced and very complete meal replacement, meaning it has everything your body needs in that packet. We start people off on five to six packets a day, which is 800 to 950 calories. What's nice about that is it's very low in calorie, but it's getting all the nutrition you need. So, you know, if you try to do that with real food, it'd be almost impossible, which is what's nice about the meal replacements. Our specifically is not a sh- just a liquid diet. That's a very common thing we hear. We're like, I can't just live on liquids for 10, 11 weeks. And we agree. We don't want you to. So you can actually cook with our product. So you can bake it into lots of different things. We have five flavors. So we have vanilla, chocolate, strawberry, potato, and pancake. Obviously, you don't want a potato or a pancake shake. Uh, so that gives you opportunity to have those savory things as well and have the crunch and the warmth from food. And people really like it, especially people who have really struggled with food. A common thing I hear is it's an addiction, just like any other addiction, but you can't just not eat. You can't just stop eating like you can with other addictions. Right, right. That's, so, a, good, that's a good point. It's, uh, it's a balance. Right. And the the yeah. mirror placements really give you the opportunity to do that. You can really go without food for a little bit and reset your palate. And, like, and you know, people like fruits and vegetables that maybe have never had them before because you really reset your palate by doing the mirror placements. What about intermittent fasting? I hear a lot about that. The, the, some of the literature I've read is actually related to athletic performance that, mm-hmm. you know, when I, I remember when we used to wrestle, we'd load up on carbs the night before. And that might not have been the, I mean, it's easy for a 14 or 15 year old sure. to do that, but that might not have been the best idea. What, what do you know about intermittent fasting? Yeah. So we do some of that in our clinic. Um, our other program, which is New Directions, that one is all grocery based. So we play around with a lot of different things. And, you know, intermittent fasting is one of them. There's kind of two different ways to do it. And I will say I'm not a dietitian, so this isn't my realm, but we do work with it in the clinic. We do it kind of two different ways where either you are focusing on the hours of day you're eating and not eating, or you do it based on the days of the week that you eat a certain, a lower calorie amount. So maybe twice a week you go down, um, you know, a thousand calories and maybe the other days you're up a little bit higher. Either way, it's basically cycling that. It keeps your body guessing. It keeps it a little bit different. So we do see weight loss happen. The key with all of that is just you have to do what works for you. If you try it and it's not working and you're miserable, don't do it. Figure out something else. But some people have success with it. Yeah, I've always told patients the first thing they need to do is like themselves and and Mm -hmm. not feel guilty about this because that's that's a horrible for the patient to go through life with this sense of guilt and failure, uh, particularly with uh, diets. Now, with your training, your uh, background and the exercise component, what would you recommend for exercise just for the non-athlete? Sure. Um, So the ACSM is kind of the gold standard. That's where we go to uh, for those. And basically what that says is you want to get active at least five days a week. You want to get in at least three days of some cardiovascular training. So getting that heart rate going and at least two days of a full body uh, resistance training. You don't need to be a bodybuilder. You don't need to be going crazy or doing anything um, that's going to hurt you in the gym. But just to get your muscles working and get that heart rate up there is really what's recommended. We also can't forget about stretching. Uh, That's a common thing that we just kind of throw to the side. But really stretching is going to be a key as well, making sure we're doing that after our workouts, not before. 
so we can really get the most bang for our buck with our stretching. And you would also recommend that they're evaluated by their physician prior to starting an exercise program. Absolutely. That's kind of just uh, yes. uh, straightforward. So. How does someone, how do, how do you get referred to the clinic? Do you just a referral mm-hmm. from a family practice uh, primary care physician? So you can. So um, any provider can refer you to us, but we don't need a referral. So it's actually, uh, we have information sessions that are held weekly. And so by coming to an information session, that gets you in the door. So anybody who comes to an information session can see one of our endocrinologists for weight loss. And that gets the ball rolling. So at that point, you've known we really uh, educate you in all of our programs and get to the nitty gritty details of everything. And then you'd see one of our providers and they would help you make the decision on what program was going to be best for you. Then you would see uh, myself or our dietitian, Meg, as your or- for your orientation. And then we just jump into a program. And both of our programs are 24 weeks long. And so it's really six months commitment in this process. And that you've seen good success? Absolutely. Yeah, we have great success. We have people who lose 100 pounds in 24 weeks. We have people who lose 30 pounds, but it's all just based on where you're at and what your comfort level is and how much you have to lose and really what you're looking for at the end of this. That's really great information today. Thank you so much for taking time to talk about this. Again, that was Coach Abby Labarge from Unity Point Clinic Diabetes Kidney Center, Healthy Living Clinic. For more information, visit unitypoint.org. If you have a topic you'd like to suggest for our Live Well Talk on podcast, shoot us an email at stlukecr at unipoint.org. And we encourage you to tell your family, friends, neighbors about our podcast. Until next time, be well.